0: Welcome back to All Things Housewives. This is Journey James, and today's episode is going to be all about episodes 7 and 8 of Real Housewives of Orange County. So let's get into it. All right, this episode picks up where the last one left off. The ladies are still in Palm Springs celebrating Bronwyn's 20th anniversary. And there's a lot of things going on. Shannon is still upset about what Kelly said about her copying off of her and competing, competing off of her. Kelly is like, why are you making a big deal about it? But Kelly, you were making a real big deal about it. Um, they seem to put it to rest or seem to put it to bed for that moment. But later on, we see that Shannon is still bothered by it. Shannon has been getting plastered and hammer this whole time at the vow renewal. So she's saying things and doing things that is quite annoying. One of those things is talking to Brahma's children about the vow renewal. She brings up the fact that You know, her and her ex-husband also had a vow renewal and the marriage didn't end so well, implying that because they are um, renewing their vows, that the same thing may happen to them. So I think that was totally appropriate and something that Shannon should have not done. On top of that, she goes back to Kelly and rehashes the water and supplement um, conversation. And they kind of make up at this point, you could tell that Shannon is sloppy drunk, but They make up um, and they have some fun and do some silly things. Dance and Shannon also apologizes to Bronwyn at the renewal. I do not know how genuine it is. It could be genuine. It could not be with her being drunk, (laughs) but hopefully that is the case. And they can put that to bed and move past it. I don't want to hear anything else about Gina's home ever again. Emily and Gina are tacky as hell. They decide to question Elizabeth about her. Jimmy, her and Jimmy's relationship. She talks about how uh, they slept together once before he found out that she was married, but once he found out she was married, they stopped sleeping together. Um, But it doesn't make sense because then she goes back and says that she did tell him that she was married prior to them sleeping with each other. So that whole situation there with Elizabeth and Jimmy is kind of weird. I'm not really sure, but I don't think that that is any of Emily and Gina's business to try and dive into and pick it especially when I just met Elizabeth I think it's very tacky and I think Elizabeth should be sharing her own details and information of her of her relationship with Jimmy on her own not being picked apart and, and and ask questions all the time. Gina and Emily, they still feel like something's a little weird and odd about their relationship. They're trying to get to know her. And that is the reasoning for them asking questions about her relationship. Um, they still haven't figured her out. I haven't figured her out in that aspect yet. But it doesn't matter to me because that's none of my business. And yeah. So the next day, um, Brahma and Gina... And Emily, they all go to a a, a meeting with her. I think that's very cool. I think that's supportive. I think that they're really trying to turn over a new leaf with Bronwyn and really be able to understand who she is and how um, she came to be, you know, alcoholic by going to those meetings with her. I think that Emily's at a place where she's no longer judging her and really trying to understand her plight. And I think that's great and awesome that they support her the way that they do. We see Shannon and John. Shannon, she's very needy when she's drunk and she's very needy around John. And I hope that does not get tiring for him. She was complaining about her food the next morning. She was complaining about her eggs. Um, She was just very needy for him. And I don't know, maybe that's the dynamic of the relationship and John enjoys that and likes that, but it's kind of (laughs) aggravating to have to deal with every day. You're a grown woman. You're fine. Um, Also, the ladies, um, they go out to the pool. Um, Oh, Prior to that, um, Elizabeth has a phone call with her mother. She talks about how she built this beautiful home in Palm Springs and that she's really close to the home. And every time she thinks about the home or is near the home, she goes crazy. Um, She's emotionally distraught and upset over the divorce with her husband. So much so that she's texting him. She has a court date coming up where their divorce is going to be final, and she feels that the judge and the people are judging her and making it seem like she's being a gold digger and that she's only divorcing and going after the ex-husband for money. And it bothers her that people feel that way or think that way about her when that's not her at all. She's totally opposite from that person. Um, They all go out to the pool. There's Bronwyn. There's Kelly Shannon, all the ladies are out at the pool, all six of them. Um, Elizabeth joins them, and they bring up the topic of her ex-husband again. I feel that Elizabeth needs some type of counseling. I'm not diagnosing her with anything at all. <laughs> I don't have any type of license to do so. But just having been where she's been, I think she needs to do a lot of therapy. And she needs to do... A lot of finding herself, you know, she's focusing all of her energy on this divorce in court and how the marriage didn't work out. And that's fine to have those feelings of, of grieving. Um, and it's fine to have those feelings of doubt and failure and all those things. But she's coming off as erratic, she's coming off as she still wants the marriage and she's in love with her ex-husband. She talks about how she texted him and said, you know, I'm sorry for the divorce. I'm sorry for filing. And the ladies are like, whoa, what, what is going on here? She comes up as this, she regrets the divorce and Kelly mentions, and she has a great point here. And sometimes Kelly doesn't process <laughs> or convey things uh, very well, but what I guess she meant to say was it's, becoming draining to be around Elizabeth when this is all she is focused on is this marriage and this divorce in court, and ex-husband. She's in a relationship. And so she needs to be putting some of that energy into that relationship. Um, Kelly says that if Rick, her husband, now husband, behaved or acted out in the way that Elizabeth does over her ex-husband, they would not be in a relationship. She would have to go. And I agree. Um, when Elizabeth spoke to her mother, she brought up that Jimmy, you know, says she needs to move on and move forward and stuff like that. And a lot of men, never mind, I mean, I say a lot of men, but I know that men, they can be territorial. You know, they're in a relationship with you and you're crying over your last dude, you know, that doesn't sit well with them. And over time, that's going to bother them in a way where they're not going to want to be in that relationship anymore. Because A, they're going to feel like you're still in love with your ex when most of the time that's not the case. Um, And B, they don't understand the emotional attachment to it. You know, a lot of men, when they're done with a woman, they're done. There's no emotional attachment left there at all. So hopefully, you know, she gets some type of counseling or therapy to help her work through those emotions and through those things. Because right now it comes off as erratic. It really, really does. Gina says that if you don't let this go, it's going to kill you. And she talks about how she walked away from her marriage and it got to a point where she didn't even care about money or things or what she got in the, in a divorce or anything like that, because it was literally killing her. They ask her, why won't she settle? And she said, he won't settle with me. And for me, I feel like protecting my peace is the utmost top priority for me in my life. Yes, it's great to have money. It's great to be able to go out and buy whatever you want. It's great to be able to help people with that money. It's great to be able to say, you know what? I've accomplished this. I can do this, that, and the third. But your peace, when it jeopardizes your peace and you can't sleep calmly at night when you lay your head on your pillow, you're tossing and turning, it becomes an issue and a problem. All money is not good money, especially if it doesn't bring you happiness and the peace that you deserve in your life. Um, I don't feel like she's ready to be in a relationship. No, nope, absolutely not. She needs to be in a relationship with herself. Absolutely. Um, she has other things going on as well. You know, the addiction with her with her sister. Um, And dealing with the death of her father who died of alcohol alcoholism. She has a lot of other emotional things going on. And so right now is not the time to be in a relationship at all. (sighs) So I just wish her the best and um, hope that everything works out for her. All right, guys. So that was the recap of episode seven. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be back with my commentary on episode eight. And we're back. All right, so in episode eight, the episode begins with the ladies with their last day in Palm Springs. They divide up into two teams or two groups. And we have Shannon, um, Bronwyn, and, sorry, we have Shannon, <laughs> Emily, and Gina in one group. And then we have Bronwyn, Kelly, and Elizabeth in another group. Um, Bronwyn, Elizabeth, and Kelly, they go to this um uh, I think it's called the Freedman's house, a Fryman's house, in Palm Springs. It is a home um, that was built in the 1930s. the The owner of the home he wanted to build the home around nature and smack right in the middle of nature. And um, Kelly brings up that it looks like Arizona and Cabo, and she's absolutely right. The scenery it looks just like Arizona. <laughs> but it has a lot of Mexican texture and culture type things going on with the home. So I can see why she feels like it looks like Cabo. It looks very relaxing. So they sit down um, and they have this gorgeous, beautiful view of Palm Springs or up, them up on the mountain. And they talk about um, basically Elizabeth's breakdown. They tell her how it's exhausting and it's annoying and that the other ladies... Argina and um, Emily they feel like Elizabeth is full of crap because she's not being very truthful with her with her forthcomings that she's not telling the whole story that she's leaving some things out or she's lying and she says, "Well, I can't say much because of the impending divorce." And so Brahma says, "Well, stop talking about it. Period." And I agree. Um I don't feel like every time we sit down and have a conversation as a friend that we need to talk about your divorce. We need to talk about money. We need to talk about how much you can't talk about the divorce because there's no gag order. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know Elizabeth, your background, where you came from. uh, What are some of the ideas that you have in your mind? Um, Your value on life, the value you have contributed to the world, you know, who you are as a person, where you came from. Those are the things to me that are more important than how much money that you're going to get in divorce. And for some reason, Elizabeth feels like that's the part that the ladies are more and really interested in than anything else. And I get it. They're in Orange County, you know. The ladies have money, and so she may feel like that's all they want to talk about. But it isn't. It is not. I can honestly say that the group of ladies that, aside from Kelly, I don't hardly ever hear the women talk about money at all. At all. I know that when Shannon was going through her divorce, um... You know, money was talked about, but it wasn 't something that she focused and concentrated on the entire time um, even with Kelly i mean Kelly talks talks about materialistic things, of course, obviously, but it's it's i don 't know it 's too much it is draining with Elizabeth. I want to get to know you. Um, she talks about Elizabeth talks about how she came from nothing, and she was poor, and she had three jobs to even get a car um, at the age of 17 and that she always wished that she ended up with money. And now that she has the money, it's not worth it to her. And I feel, yeah, because it's not bringing you peace. It's not bringing you, um, comfort. It's not giving you clothes that you need. So just be quiet about it, especially with these group of women. So that was great advice that Bronwyn and Kelly gave her. On the hiking trail with Shannon, Gina, in Emily, they bring up Elizabeth again. And Gina talks about she she doesn't make any sense. Stuff that she's saying doesn't add up. They feel that she's lying to them. um, And it's really hard for Gina to get to know her and want to be her friend when she feels that she's not really telling the truth about things. And I, I get that. I understand that. And I can relate to that. I want to get to know your authentic self. You know, they talk about Rowan and about how... It's been great to really get to know her outside of the fun girl and the alcohol. When you pull back those layers, it's a beautiful person there. And Gina and Emily are getting to know her. And they are appreciative of getting to know her outside of the alcohol. Next, we see Bronwyn. She is headed to a therapy session. And this is so good. This is so, so good. I love seeing Bronwyn taking and making the steps in order to be present through her sobriety. Um, She made the choice to stop drinking, and now she is doing the work with therapy to help her cope and maneuver through this time. It's great. It's so good. She talks about how she's always had anxiety, always had anxiety as a child. Um, she couldn't quite name it or label it early on, but as she got older, older, she noticed that it was anxiety, so much so that she began drinking at the age of 14, a freshman in high school, and I was blown away. Sometimes I feel like a goody two shoes <laughs> because a lot of the things that my peers did in high school or the things that I hear that teenagers do in high school, I never dabbled with, it wasn't things that I was interested in. Like I never smoked in high school. I didn't drink in high school. I didn't really do parties and skipping school and staying out late and all those things and missing curfew. I don't even think I had a curfew because that was something my parents never had to, to worry about. But she talks about how she started drinking in high school at ninth, in ninth grade, 14 years old. My daughter's 14 in the ninth grade. <laughs> so I can't even imagine her wanting to have a drink, getting drunk, you know. I-, I couldn't imagine her doing that. Um and she said that it was the first time in a long time that she can just exhale that the alcohol helped with the anxiety. Um she talked about how she she's been with Sean since she was 18 years old and that She suffered a miscarriage when they were in D.C., and that is where the drinking picked up even more. And she also was on Xanax. She says there was a five-day period that she cannot recollect to this day of where she was in a closet. They admitted her to a psych hospital, and um, Sean didn't have her around the kids. Uh, So the therapist sees that that miscarriage pretty much streamlined you know the downward spiral that that Brahman has started to experience. That she is treating her anxiety. She's treating the miscarriage. She's treating her emotional turmoil with alcohol, and at one point in time, Xanax. The therapist says it's great that she is getting sober, but what are you going to do now to help treat the anxiety? And Brahman says she has no idea what that looks like. So I'm hoping that she continues to seek therapy. You know, sometimes it's, it feels like it's draining. It feels like you're just repeating the same thing over and over and that who you're speaking to won't understand, but they would, you know, they may not be able to relate because they didn't have the same experience as you, but they have the training and the the education to help you and to give you those skills, the tools that you need in order to stay on the right road. I think that's going to be very vital and important for Bronwyn to be able to do. So good for her. I'm good to see her, you know, be present and want to be present and wanting to do the work. I am liking her so much, you guys. I know I've said that I did not like her, but I think that was when she was drinking, But I love her and her true self. I love her in this element. I really do. She's one of my favorite, you know, on um, the cast right now. So good for her. Next, we have Sophie and Shannon. They're going debutante dress shopping. Um, And this is fun for me because I was a debutante (laughs) 19 years ago when I was 18. um, I was chosen to be a debutante. And what a debutante is, is introducing a young lady into society. And so in my community or in the town that I grew up in, there is a committee of women that every year or every two years, sorry, they put on this big debutante gala and they choose women that are contributing and adding value to society. And you're either like a, um, a senior high school, just graduated from high school or a freshman in college. And, um, the young ladies that they choose are women that are, um, involved in community outreach, um, You have to have a certain GPA in high school. You have to be involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. um, And you have to be really involved in your church. And so I was chosen right after I graduated from high school. Actually, I was a freshman in college when I was chosen. And it was such a great experience. And what Sophie says is correct. The night of the ball, uh, you wear this big, beautiful gown and... You know, it's all about image and um, protection of the young lady, and classy and elegance. And so, your dress has to be white; it can't be any other color. And we know why that is because white is the color of pure purity, right? You can't have your arms out, so your dress cannot be sleeveless. They don't want a lot of uh, lace and things of like that. They want a lot of fluff, so more of a Cinderella uh, type dress with with sleeves. <laughs> so um I did the whole dress shopping thing and you're kinda limited um in that aspect because a lot of dresses are sleeveless or um you know they don't have uh straps and things of that on that nature. So you're kinda limited. So um I'm assuming Sophie found her dress. Um but it is kinda hard to find dresses for these things because they they're so strict with the dress code. Um, They bring up Corona and that the gala may be shut down. And Sophie expresses, man, my whole senior year has been lost to Corona. And I also want to add something here. I didn't talk about this in the recap of episode seven, but while the ladies were at the pool in Palm Springs, they bring up Corona. And it was a very ignorant conversation. Um, And I can't blame them because at this time, we didn't know much about Corona and COVID-19. And exactly what it was, the effects that it had on people, the chaos and the havoc that it would wreck on the entire global planet uh, from this pandemic. We did not know this at the time. So the ladies were making a lot of ignorant comments. Elizabeth was saying that this would be gone in 60 days. And they talked about how they can't find toilet paper anywhere. And Gina and uh, Emily saying that they're making a huge deal about this COVID-19 and Corona and it's basically the flu and people are dying from the flu every day so those were some ignorant (laughs) comments but of course we didn't know at that time what was happening with corona and i wish they just would have kept their mouths shut um especially because now they look ignorant present day with all the deaths and and the chaos that has wrecked upon our planet so yeah so um i feel bad for sophie because um There's a lot of people, a lot of teenagers who are graduating from high school, graduating from college that weren't able to really fully celebrate life and celebrate the accomplishment and achievements with their family because of what was going on. And so they feel like they missed out on a lot. And I definitely can understand that. Elizabeth goes to see a trainer. She has been stressing emotionally and mentally. Uh, with the finalization of her divorce and the court date pending. Um, and so she wants to release some of that stress, especially since the women have already made it known to her that she's annoying by talking about her divorce and her feelings and her emotions towards the divorce and her ex husband, she says that uh, over the past five years, you know, she put on a lot of weight because she was dealing with a lot of stress from the divorce, and she recently lost thirty pounds and she wants to find ways to keep it off and to help her with stress is a double whammy for her. Um, after her training session, which went really well. She spoke with her mother and she talks about how getting to know the ladies has been very trying and challenging for her, that they don't get her, that they have issues and problems with her talking about marriage and divorce, although she listens to them talk about theirs all the time. She says that this is the reason why it's very hard for her to be friends with women and to be close to women and to be so close off to women because of the judgment that they have towards her they did a recap of her where she was out with Bronwyn and she talked about how she would wine and dine all of her girlfriends. And then when the divorce happened, they pretty much just abandoned her. And I think that, um, that is probably a reason why she is hard for the ladies to get to know her because she has closed off and she feels that, She can talk about the divorce and the money because she feels like that's what they are all about, but they're not. I think the difference between her speaking on her divorce and the ladies speaking on theirs is that she talks about it all the time. Um, And she's breaking down and emotional and erratic and crying about it. And that's probably not where they are. Um, So hopefully things get better between her and the ladies and that they get to know her more and know her for her. And not this divorce and money in court. So we have Emily and Gina. They are out shopping at an Italian market. And on the flip side of things, we have Shannon and her girls at home. Gina and, and Emily, they are talking about the coronavirus. And how Emily's not sure if she should even send her kids to school. Because when she brings her kids to school, there's hardly any kids there. Um... Gina feels the same way. She's like, I don't know what to do with my kids either. We are still in the early stages of it. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to expect. There's not a whole lot of information. And we don't really have a guideline as to what to do. And in Shannon's home, we see where um, she's been stocking up. And to me, that's smart. I mean, call it wacky, call Shannon uh, crazy or overreactive, but she's actually taking the approach that, you know, <laughs> Emily... And Gina should be taking versus buying all these meatballs, like getting supplies for the home. And this is where we start to see that the ladies are actually taking this thing very seriously. And it's not just the flu and it's not just something that'll pass over and be gone in 60 days, especially right now. We are almost a year into this thing when when Corona and COVID-19 first uh, made its presence in the world. And so it's so funny to see the ladies back then trying to maneuver to where we are now. So the last 15 minutes or so of the episode, we are now seeing the effects of coronavirus on the ladies and their lives and also their livelihood, which is the show and production. Um, The schools have been shut down. They're out of toilet paper and supply. Um, Brahman is dealing with the fact that her AA meetings could be shut down because of Corona. And she's freaking out and scared because she doesn't know how she's going to be able to cope during this time when AA meetings have really helped her get through a lot. We see her freaking out. On her daughter and on her husband because they're not allowing her to speak, and I think that's just her being terrified, and it's coming out, you know, as anger and coming out where she's exploding. Um, we see Gina talking about now having to do Zoom with her kids because school has been shut down. Kelly, however, is feeling like this is a flu. She feels like Shannon is overreacting. She feels like um, people are making a big deal out of it. So hopefully (laughs) she's not in that space anymore. But um, we know that Kelly Dodd is really immature, very immature. I think she's probably one of the most immature castmates next to Candace out of all the franchises. So um, yeah, they're starting to see the effects of Corona, how it's affecting them. Um, Gina's mother lives in New York and she's talking about how she's been affected there with, with the higher highest numbers and higher death rates and stuff there in New York. So this is real. And they're finally starting to see that. So that's pretty much the end of the episode. Now, coming up, is going to be juicy. The upcoming episodes, we do see where production did shut down. And then we do see where they picked it back up. Um, But yeah, it's gonna be really juicy. We see the demise of Bronwyn and Sean's relationship. We see her and her girlfriend. I believe that might be the person she's with now. We see, you know, that friendship, that relationship being brought into view. Um, the ladies are turning vicious towards each other. We see Shannon and Bronwyn getting into it. Kelly and Shannon get into it. Um, yeah, Bronwyn and Kelly. I mean, it's. It's going to be juicy, and I cannot wait to see these next couple of episodes because these episodes have been just lackluster and not a whole bunch going on, but going forward, it's going to be the bomb. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed my review and commentary of episodes 7 and 8. Look out later on for today. You are going to get another miss episode. We are on day 3. I'll talk to you soon, and take care. Bye-bye.